love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. If you want to talk to somebody you should do so if you want to if you want to tell somebody that you love them you should do it all the time I've definitely learned that like you you just don't be selfish and love everyone you can Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. This week's love story belongs to Casey. She's only in her 20s, but she's already experienced both first love and love lost. Her relationship with her boyfriend, Ryan, shows how resilient love can make us and that love is worth fighting for until the very end. Hi, Casey. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And I'm going to start on a sad note because you had a brutal 2020, didn't you? Yeah, 2020 wasn't nice to anybody this year, I don't think. But me especially. So let's talk about Ryan. And hopefully in this conversation, we're going to be able to really bring back some of the joy that was part of your relationship rather than just the sorrow of looking back? Yeah. Um, so I will tell you my, the beginning. Yeah. How did it all start? Um, I grew up in the heart of Winnipeg. I used to live on a street where my best friend lived right across the street from me. And she lived in a duplex. She lived in the upstairs unit. And then there was this boy who lived in the downstairs unit. And, um, So I would always go over to her house and we'd watch movies and hang out. And this was before cell phones. I used to spend multiple days and nights over at her house (laughs) because it was one of the closest places to my house, right? So I could just run over there and hang out and disappear for three days and then come back to my house. (laughs) My parents (laughs) wouldn't worry. Now, so in the bottom of the duplex was Ryan and his family and, um, you know, he was like a total street kid. <laughs> They'd always have the bikes on the front lawns. And, um, you know, we would, we would, we lived near a creek that would separate the, um, the shopping mall, which would be Pole Park and, um, our residential area that we lived in. And so we would always constantly walk to the creek and hang out, go to the mall, whatever. Of course, when we got a little bit older, but, and like around the neighborhood and all this stuff. So we, we had a very good gang going for friends. And I just find that me and Ryan were always kind of like around each other. I, I remember a time that like there was just a group of us kids just hanging out in the basement playing like truth or dare and stuff like that. Right. Just, just being total kids. I remember um, we didn't like each other. <laughs> we would tease each other. Um, it's just so funny that we ended up being together in the end. So it just proves that, you know, not everything is what it seems, I guess. And I remember we were walking near the creek, which is where all the kids hang out. And um, he, we, he had kissed me. And he says, 
oh, you're not very good at that. I'm going to show you how to do that. (laughs) And I was like, ever since that, I was just like, okay, I think he kind of likes me a little bit. He was offering, he was offering coaching lessons, was he? Yeah. He was just like, you, you kissed too hard, you know, like, okay, well, thanks for teaching me. You know, we had grown up and gotten to our own relationships when we're in our, in our mid teens. And, um, when I was 16, I actually moved away. I moved like halfway across the city. And, uh, when he, when he was 16, his dad actually had a stroke. So it was a pretty big one. So he actually had to kind of become the man of the house. So he actually had dropped out of school and became working so he could take care of his dad and his brother. Mm-hmm. 21 years old, I think, is when we started rekindling. Um, so at, I went through a crappy breakup and he went through a crappy breakup. And then I just remember being 21 and then I, I went over to my girlfriend Kayla's house and uh, which she still lived in the same duplex. And I remember seeing him there and I was like, hey, and then he's like, hey. And then we became inseparable from that point. Is that right? It just, the relationship just took off, did it? Yeah. At that point we just, you know, I think we literally were inseparable after that moment. Like we like moved in together and we got a cat. (laughs) We were together for four and a half years um, at the point when he passed away. So he would, we would have been, the summer would have been, um, five years and then coming up this year would have been six years. Wow. Quite a while. Yeah. So let's go back to the beginning of your relationship and tell me about what that was like. Obviously we were, we're young, right. Or we were young at the time. So early twenties, um, just having a lot of fun and going out for dinner all the time. And, you know, he would, he just, just the biggest sweetheart, just the biggest sweetheart. He would always buy me the best gifts. Um, you know, he would, he would always be so shy to tell me everything. I can't even remember who was the first person to say, I love you, but I think it would always go back and forth. He would always say it's me and I would always say it's him. (laughs) So, but what did you love most about him? Um, I think that, the, the fact that he could light up a room when he walked in and nobody, he never had to make anybody like him. Everyone just was automatically drawn to him. Um, total sweetheart. He's got a big baby face. So who doesn't love those? <laughs> right. How would you describe his personality? Um, he is definitely outgoing and just very charismatic. Um, hilarious he had a laugh that was crazy contagious that you know as soon as anyone would hear it they would start laughing as well so he was just kind of like the light of the room and you know everyone wanted to be his friend didn't didn't have to try you know Mm -hmm. so your relationship was going gangbusters and then you hit a stumbling block yeah um everything was going so perfect. And then, um, we, I actually, before we get into that, we actually went on our first vacation together to the West coast. We went to BC, then we went to Cuba year after, and then we went to Mexico and it was actually right after we had got back from Mexico, um, in April of 2019, where 
there was a couple of days where he was like, I don't feel that great. And I said, okay, well, maybe you just have the flu or something. And um, he had, he, he kept on telling me, he's like, I'm really tired. And I'm like, okay. And the last thing you think is that, you know, you have a severe illness, right? Mm-hmm. You think it's a minor illness. And um, so I just, he, he drove himself to the hospital one day. He was just so not well. And he drove himself to the hospital and they said, you need to go to this hospital right now and don't go anywhere else. So um, was that because they had done a blood test or yes. what kind of diagnosis? Yes. Well, actually, the nurse that was at the hospital that he went to when he got this, he, they, of course, they do blood work first. Um, she had looked at it and and noticed that his white blood cell levels were quite high. And they said, well, it could be this, which was something super minor or it could be leukemia. The unfortunate thing was that they told him this alone in a hallway. Mm-hmm. So him being a 25 year old male was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is what, like, what did she just say? And, um, so he came to pick me up right away and he says, we need to go here apparently. And I said, okay. And he's, and he's kind of freaking out, you know? And, um, I'm like, just stay calm, whatever. So then we ended up going to the hospital that they had told us to go to. We, they sat us down and we had some family members come. And then that's when they said, like, you need to start chemo tomorrow. What was his prognosis? His diagnosis was AML, acute myeloid leukemia. Mm -hmm. So it's a fast moving blood cancer and if it's not detected early enough then it could be very fatal very fast um they said that if he didn't go to the hospital that day that he would have been dead within one month wow what do you remember about that moment when they gave you the news um it felt very surreal i didn't really um believe it i just kind of you know, you feel like you're in a dream at that point and you don't really know what to do. So I, I just knew, I just knew that I had to do everything I could to be there for him and make this as positive as possible. And what did that look like through the next few months? He was down for anything, which is, of course, a young person is going to want to do anything to save their life. And I just had to make sure that I held my health, my head high and that I made sure that he was getting everything that he could with care. And so I basically didn't really leave his side at the hospital almost ever. Like I would go home to shower and then I would come back and that would be it. And I would stay the night there, even though in that ward, you're not really supposed to, but I did. And, um, yeah, over that next two months, he had, he had lost over 30 pounds and just become, he, he went through so much chemo that it really took a huge toll on him. And then after the two months was, he spent two months in the hospital, solid. And after that two months I had, he would, he was released. So, um, but it was, it was very tough. There was many nights where 
like he was crying and I was crying and we just didn't know what what to think, what to do. What was your level of hope like at that point? My level of hope actually was at that point um, was actually quite high. I am very much the type of person that I try to see the positive in everything and I'm, I don't want to think about bad things happening. So I try to keep my high positivity so he can stay positive and remain, you know, hopeful. Mm-hmm. And do you think that worked? Yeah, I really do. Because all the way throughout the whole process, um, he never gave up like, the whole time. And he would constantly say to me, I just want more time together. I just want more time together. And I'm like, no, like we will, like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Sorry. And I just kept giving him like scenarios that we were going to do and live through and like things that we're going to overcome. And I was, I just kept bringing in that positivity into our lives when we needed it the most. It was like you were painting a picture of the future that you really wanted to make happen. Yeah, that's a very, very good way to put it, actually, because if you don't have that, then it's very easy to slip and lose that little glimmer of hope, even if all odds are against you. Mm -hmm. What happened after the two months of uh, hospital and chemo? Well, um... They actually did a, it's called a bone marrow biopsy. And it's when they go into your, your, your heavy bones. So like your pelvic area bones and um, remove a piece and then see what's going on and how your bones are producing your blood and all your cells and everything. And actually it came back clear. So we were like, let's go with this. And, um, so we, so we went with it and, uh, we had a wonderful summer. We spent a lot of time in our cars. We, one of Ryan's favorite things in the whole world is cruise night in Winnipeg, which is a, like a car show where everyone in the city brings their cars and shows them off and drives around. And it's just like, it's like the old school diner days, <laughs> really. <laughs> So we did that every Sunday. Uh, what I hear you saying is that you were living life with zest and yeah. enjoying time together. Exactly. And we were just trying not to think about what could happen and just living in the moment. Just, There's nothing like a serious illness to bring you into the present. Yeah, apparently. And what happened next? So then um, we had a wonderful summer, like I said, and... Um, then fall came, so September, and so September would, was Ryan's 27th birthday. He was scheduled to get a stem cell transplant. Unfortunately, during blood tests, it revealed that he was not, um, no longer cancer-free. What a blow that must have been. Mm-hmm. This is not what a young couple in love is supposed to be going through in their mid-20s. No. I, I honestly, my heart goes out to anybody who has to deal with it. So I won't make you go through all of the details. I do want, though, for you to tell me, if you don't mind, about the end. And I'm sure that was uh, so painful, but there's always beauty 
in, in, you know, the depth of love in a situation like that as well. So I wonder if you can share that with us. Yeah. So, um, come Christmas time, we, Ryan was, uh, he ended up getting a transplant with kind of like a final go, um, like a final chance at being able to kick this cancer that was still developing inside of him. Um, so he ended up um, going through the transplant and shortly after the transplant, um, the cancer was still progressing. And um, I just remember we were alone in the hospital room and we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, like, we kind of just lost our hope for a second and just kind of broke down and just kind of like thought, are we going to make these next however long, how are we going to make it ours and really just like love each other and be there for each other. And cause what happens if you don't make it through things, right? Like it's not a thought that we had up until that point. Um, come January and February, he got more ill and more ill. There was a couple really small chemotherapies that they had tried with him um, that didn't even touch the grand picture of what was going on. And they said, go home and kind of take the next few weeks to yourselves and while you're still feeling okay. And um, I said, okay. He said, do you want to go out to eat? And I said, sure, let's go. And um, it was like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> this was so typical us. We were like, okay, let's go, spur of the moment. And um, I reached into my, I put my jacket on and I reached in my pocket and there was a ring in there. <laughs> and I was like, you sneaky bugger. <laughs> he said, you know, I, I was gonna propose, but I don't know what's gonna happen. So mm -hmm. he didn't wanna feel, I guess, obligated to have made a promise that he might have not been able to keep. It's been on my finger ever since. <laughs> Going through February, he had gotten more ill. And um, so this was of 2020. So this was right before the coronavirus had started. I said, honey, we really need to go to the hospital. And we went. And that's when they said, you have days. Mm -hmm. It was a one-way trip at that point. Do you still feel like he's here with you? All the time. All the time. I have three cats and a dog with him, which is our family. And they're with me every day. And as soon as I look at them, I see him. So that's actually, it's one of my biggest blessings, I think, is I have, because we were never able to have children. So these are our children. <laughs> what do you think this has taught you? about love and life? I think that it it teaches you to just not hold back. You know, if you want to, if you want to talk to somebody, you should do so. If you want to, if you want to tell somebody that you love them, you should do it all the time. Um, I've definitely learned that, like, you, you just don't be selfish and love everyone you can. I keep everyone so so close to me now that I just can't, I can't imagine losing 
another person is at this age too it's so tough like like I say my heart goes out to anyone who ever has to deal with anything like this and yeah I love that that's a really that's a really important message and I think we've got to learn something from every really hard thing in life it's just you never know what tomorrow holds you don't do you think that having loved him has made you a better person? Totally. Totally. Because I feel like now that, I don't know how to explain it, but for just for caring for people, my, my caring for people has changed. My, I never used to say I love you to anybody. And now I do. Because you should never, never hold that back. And what is your fondest emotional memory of him? Um, actually... In the last, in the last few weeks, this is, this is one of my fondest memories of him when, when he was sick. Um, we were in the, in the hospital room. This is probably the first week of March after we got the really bad news and we were surrounded by family and, um, that one of our favorite nurses comes in and is changing one of his lines and, uh, and she goes, Oh, so I heard that she has a nice rock on her finger. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I got her a ring. And then he was so weak at this point, too. It was very tough for him to even get this out. But he had he had said to her, um, well, in front of all of our family, that he says, well, I just thought that if I gave her that, then she would hope that I would get better, which in terms would make me better. And I actually have that recorded on my phone in a video. And at least a few times a week, I watch that video. Wow. Something that I hold really dear to my heart. And um, what's the funniest thing that ever happened with the two of you? So Ryan had never, ever left the country. And he actually never left Manitoba until he had gotten together with me in our relationship. And I said, oh my gosh, you have to see the world. And so our first trip was to BC, like I had mentioned, and our next one was to Cuba. And he had just fallen in love with Cuba. And um, I remember we had met another couple while we were there. And um, they said, hey, we rented a fishing boat. We're gonna We're going to go out on this, this fishing tour, just the two of us. I'm like, do you two want to come? And I said to Ryan, I'm like, we have to go. So we went with them the next day. We had to be at the front door at like in the morning. And I guess Ryan had never been on a boat before. <laughs> so we get, so we get there, we get on the boat and they are like, the tour guides are like full gunning it, like down the middle of the ocean. <laughs> And, and Ryan's like, oh, I don't feel so good. <laughs> and I'm like, you've never been on a boat. I forgot about that. And he was like violently ill through the rest of the boat ride. And then we finally got to like the middle of the ocean where the guys actually were um, swimming down to catch some lobsters. And so he actually slammed down and... and persevered and got some lobsters and then we had a wonderful lobster lunch so that was probably one of my <laughs> he's laughing at me for sharing that I'm sure but 
yeah, he was so sick. And then he ended up going down and getting some lunch for us. So it worked out really well. Well, I, you know what, but let's stop there because that is just uh, such an incredible sentiment. Thanks, Casey, so much. It's one of those ways that I can, you know, keep our, keep our love story alive. So I'm so grateful. Well, we're so grateful you reached out. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is brought to you by Charm Diamond Centres, Canada's largest family-owned jewellery store. They are proud to be putting love on the map. And the staff at Charm Diamond Centres are thrilled to be a part of your love story too. So visit CharmDiamondCentres.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. This podcast is made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter.